Everybody, welcome to the Pre-Accident Podcast. I am your host. Listen carefully to this voice because it's the last time you'll hear it sound like this. <laughs> Man, today's podcast is a fun one. It's Ivan Papaliti and Krista Vessel, and we're going to talk about safety graduate school. Um, and I've wanted to do this a long time. Actually, to be honest, I've done this. This podcast is uh, more than a month old, but I goofed up when I recorded it, I think. And so it's not as uh, high quality, <laughs> like that's true, but I think the content is worth it. And so between Jay Allen and I doing all of our magic, I think we salvaged it. So give it a shot and see what you think. Ultimately, Ivan and Krista are at the University of Alabama, Birmingham, in their safety engineering program. I think it may actually have a different name than that. But it's through their School of Engineering. And um, I wanted to chat with them, really not so much about the program, although we talked a lot about the program, but what's the value of a graduate degree? And is it valuable? Does it make a difference? Because there's many ways to uh, get to the top of the mountain, and and they're different. And, and that's fine. That's really good. But I think the opportunity for advanced scholarly work is always valuable, but I would. I'm kind of biased that way. But I think it's a great little pod. It was a fun conversation. We had a great time. I mean, there's no question it was fun for us. It's just how fun is it going to be for you? That is ultimately the million-dollar question. It's, um, it's, 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 we're humming along. I mean, <clears throat> unbelievably, it's September, which is kind of unbelievable to me. Because I can't decide if time moves slow or fast. I, I don't really know what's going on. And neither do you. So, I mean, I don't feel like I'm alone in this. It's just uh, it's a bit crazy. And and crazy, I guess, is the theme. That's that's what we have now. Maybe that's what the new normal is. is, is kind of The new normal is now uncertainty. Even though I would suggest the old normal was also uncertainty. So if you're in an uncertain world, what do you do? Well, one thing you do is grab hold of things that you got. You know, love your family, love your friends, uh, love your coworkers. Look for security and stability where it is and create opportunities for more security and stability, which is why I think this conversation with Ivan and Krista is is an interesting conversation. Because the one thing I'll tell you about grad school, they don't really say this, but I'll say it, is the value is in the peer group. Um, sometimes they call it a cohort, huh? You didn't, you didn't know that was going to happen, that we'd use the word cohort in a real sentence, but that value that exists in the peer relationships is really significant. And the thing I will tell you just as a, as a hint is that graduate school is different than undergraduate school because in graduate school, you're really more of a peer with your professors than you are a student of your professors. You're still students. There's no question about that. But it's a much more open relationship where you get to study things you actually care about. And that's appealing. I mean, it's really appealing. And I think the advantages it gives you is really this opportunity to meet other people and to listen to new ideas in an environment where it's okay to argue them and it's okay to disagree. 
and you can actually push the edges of psychological safety. If we use Amy Edmondson's actual definition of the notion of psychological safety, and that is, in fact, what I captured, or what I wanted to capture, what we wanted to capture, that's a better way to say that, in this conversation, is the opportunity to kind of push back, talk, learn, have some fun, argue. You know, all those things are, that's a big part of, of this journey. Now, it's not for everybody, and I'm not sure everybody needs it. I mean, I'm, I'm fine with that as well, because there are some super qualified people at every level of potential entry. What's the word I want? Every, every level of safety professional, there's excellence all over the place, and you don't need a degree to be a success. You don't not need a degree to be a success, because as we know, when you work in sort of this world, it's really about the ability to have relationships with people, to communicate ideas, to think strategically, and really to manage two things. The two things that only matter, I mean, and, and this sounds overly simplified, but what we do is we manage confidence and capacity. Confidence to, so that we believe we, we actually can be the most reliable operation in the world, and that's kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy. If we believe it, we become it. And then the capacity to actually do that, the right resources and equipment, time, space, room, psychological safety, use every culture, use every buzzword you can think of to fit into that notion of capacity, confidence and capacity. And to a great extent, that's where the conversation dances. It moves in that direction. But I think you'll like it. It was really fun. It's, it's always fun to talk to friends. It's always really fun to talk to friends about things like grad school because, you know, I don't know about you, but uh, it was pretty fun. I, I will tell you that. I had a good time. I didn't get in trouble. I don't think I got arrested or anything. Um, hmm. Rifling through all my recent arrests. Nope, I did not get arrested in grad school. So that's good. But I think you'll enjoy the opportunity to have this conversation. So without any further ado, if I can speak a bit of French, here is our conversation with Ivan Papaletti and Krista Vessel. And... Graduate School for Safety. Well, first, let me thank you for having us. <laughs> <laughs> there was a pregnant boss. Well, that's because I'm so used to doing these on Zoom where you just see y'all and say the same thing. How you doing? Great. How you doing? We're doing really well. How's it going? Yeah, we're, we're actually doing this in person, which is kind of weird at the Casa. Yeah. We're at your house. Yeah. yeah. We love having you. This is where you're doing all your action, right? This is this where, where all happen. the action happens. That's uh, that's good. And, and I wanted to talk to you guys because I think we have a couple things we can talk about. One is in the large picture, is a graduate degree worth it? And then as we progress through that, then I want to talk to you guys about the program that you guys have. But let's start globally about the advantages. Does an advanced degree, in your opinion, make a difference? That's probably a goofy question to ask. But I actually think it's a it's a legit question. No, I think it's a really good question, actually. And to begin with, in the program, I don't think I would have been able to give an answer to that. But now that I've been in for a few years and I see what people are doing with the advanced degree, oh. we have more people advancing in their companies than, than I ever thought was possible. So we've got people coming up for VPs and large energy companies. We've got people moving into oil pipeline companies, and they were – H&ES professionals, and now they're being considered for higher positions within the organization. 
So the, the degree is helping them at that level. As far as an entry level, that's not where you want to be. You don't want to go directly from college, undergraduate, to this graduate program and expect great things. I mean, they might happen. But if you're in a company and you're there, this may be the thing that's breaking that uh, next barrier that gets them hired to the higher position. Can you keep your job? I mean, you, yeah. Yeah. So, it, in fact, I don't think it seems like it would be an advantage to yes. work. Yeah. But if you're not working, it's fine out of that either. No, it's not. We've got a few students that just go through it on the education end of it, and they're not working. Uh, but most of the students are working. Most of the students are working professionals in a variety of different uh, industries. You know, what's exciting about getting a master's degree, in my opinion, is that no matter what you got your bachelor's in, and maybe it really doesn't interest you now, but now you can do something and pursue what you actually want to do or something that's going to fulfill you and lead you to new places. That's actually a brilliant point because your undergraduate degree has a lot of requirements that actually make it the undergraduate degree. The master's degree is really a different conversation. It's it's really an opportunity to exactly what you said to focus on what you're interested in, and and it's sort of the relationship with the professorial staff changes as well. They sort of move from being your instructor to being almost a peer, uh, somebody a, a kind of on the journey with you, mentor. Yeah, mentor. Yeah, because yeah, there's still that that power dynamic at that point. Mentorship is, I think, a lot of what this program's about. Where uh, you know we bring people into the initial levels of the program, and there's some, there's some transactional learning to get the baseline information that, they, that is required by the, the system. But as you mature into the program, you start to run across these courses that start challenging your boundaries, and these are courses that are thinking courses. And as Chris points out, the the final one that's culminated in what we call ASEM 620, which is your capstone project. And when I say that, I mean it. It's your capstone project to do with what you want. Invest in research in specific areas. Create something for your company. Move the move the industry a little bit. All these kinds of things are happening with our capstones as we moved into this new way of doing it. How difficult is it, do you think, to go into grad school? If I'm hesitant to go in, should I be? Am I, am I nervous for no reason? I'm sure there are some universities that have difficult programs to get into. I'm sure that does exist. However, our experience has been that it, it's not that difficult if you have a bachelor's degree and you have a 3.0 grade point average. Um, you can get in, and you can take as many or as few courses as you want to in some programs like ours. We're looking for people that want to come in and learn and maybe challenge their assumptions because learning is not a comfortable place. Learning is going to a place that you question where you are now, you see who can maybe give you some more information, and then you end up in a, in a new place that is, is much broader. And, and if they're hesitant, I mean, if you're feeling hesitant, the reason you would look at a graduate program is to test those boundaries. So don't not go to school because you're scared to write. Go to school because you haven't written much, because it gives you an opportunity to write. It'll give you an opportunity to write, and we'll give you great questions that'll have you focused, and we'll also try and help you hone your writing. Right, so you're better in the workplace. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it, some people, we have a, a large number of people, about 25% go on for their PhDs now, which is which is never heard of before in the program. They feel comfortable enough with their writing skill to take that milestone on. Another thing I wanted to point out is that you don't have to have, to have a degree in engineering for this Oh, nice. Yeah, that's cool. Tell me about that. So... 
a lot of the programs in engineering, engineering master's programs in particular, require that you have an undergraduate degree in engineering. This one does not have to be in engineering. People have come to us with degrees in medicine, with degrees in nursing, with degrees in hospital administration, and they've applied for our program just been successful getting in. And um, and basically, maybe it's because they wrote a compelling essay for their for their entry. I mean, the entry requirements aren't extreme, but you do have to give us a little idea of who you are. And that's come through in a lot of these essays. But not being a requirement has opened the door for a lot of different people to, to apply to this. And it's one of the strengths in the program, this diversity of thought, this diversity of background, each student helping the other student with their perspectives as they move through this terrain. And we start to question some of the deep assumptions that exist inside safety. You know, is risk management all it's cracked up to be is a question. We should address that question if we're going to tap risk management, and we do in the program. I don't know why I'm taking this approach to you, and I think mostly people wouldn't be, but maybe stay on this theme. The hesitance people might feel is that they're going to get into something that's more than they can handle. And that's not the case of graduate. I mean, a graduate program that does that is a sucky graduate program, right? <laughs> I think you're absolutely right. I mean, what, you can have. what it does is really hone you intellectually and creates a cohort, a, a group of students that you travel with during the program that become really a resource probably for the rest of your career. And we've certainly seen that with our students where they're in contact with each other to this day. Yeah. So this is absolutely something that, that is related not only in the cohort of students going through in a single slug, but also when students have certain classes where the, the classes stretch their boundaries. We've seen those classes stay together. One of them actually created a Facebook group. So we've got a, a, a bunch of different ways that students are staying in touch with, with each other and networking. And in addition to that, there are a lot of companies that will pay for their workers to go through this program. We have that all the time. And usually they then they have to take two courses at a time. Um, and they do wonderful work. And, you know, I haven't mentioned medicine, but we have... <laughs> People that work at Tesla, NASA, aviation, SpaceX, uh, different transportation industries. Um, I have one student who is working at a, a mustard gas decommissioning plant, which is fascinating. And so all these different perspectives come in when we ask our questions and, and lead discussions. They have such cognitive diversity that everybody learns something new. It's fascinating. And grad school is more fun. I mean, much way more fun. Well, we, we kind of go by the uh, the idea that if you're not having fun, you're not learning. So yeah. it's very important. Now, that doesn't mean we don't have demands on the students. We certainly do. Um, they're, they have a fairly high bar is set as far as making it through the program and getting an A. Straight A's in the program, possible. Most of our students do it, but they work to get there. And so what do I mean by work? They engage with other students. They engage with each other. They're responsive in their answers to our questions when we pose questions, which are, are never fill in the blank and they're never multiple choice. They're usually write, write me an essay on this and give me some information on where you're getting that information. But in addition to that, I kind of want to point out that we have scholarships within the program as well. If money is an issue and ASSP is kind of a, well, is affiliated with us and offers scholarships as well for their program. So uh, the one is the Liam Craney scholarship and that's a full ride scholarship based on uh, scholarship criteria of academic achievement and financial need. 
And uh, they announced those scholarships every fall semester. And the ASSB is a direct application to ASSB. Something else to mention is that our course goes year-round. So we have three semesters, including the summer. And a lot of people, maybe they take the summer off, or maybe they don't. But you can complete things a lot faster that way. And our program can be completed, oh, probably in a minimum of, of about six semesters and be comfortable. Yeah, that makes sense, though. Yeah. Because a normal master's program, well, normal, I mean, what normal means, but a normal one would probably be eight semesters, right? Mm-hmm. So that's that's one semester. Well, that makes sense. I mean, it's the efficiency of one semester. That's not nothing. That's Two not, years. Yeah, that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. That's pretty good indeed. So what are the advantages for you guys? I mean, what brought you into the program? Why are you spending time doing this? Well, we love it. Actually, it's uh, it's not for the money, I'll tell you. <laughs> Just, there's, there's no money in teaching. <laughs> it is, however, very, very rewarding when we see a student move through the program and advance and challenge their ideas. And then, in many cases, turn around and, and offer something back to the industry. Um, we think at one student at a time, we're going out there and, and really changing the way the industry looks at safety. And I think it's important because we've nominalized safety, we've pigeonholed safety, we've measured safety, we've done all the things to safety that you can do to make it boring. And what if we start asking a question differently? What if we say, what can we do with safety? What can we do with each other to create safety? How can we introduce margin into the system? How can we talk about capacities meaningfully and actually develop capacities within the industry and within the workforce at all levels. And then we also think about it in terms of who has to learn, who are the learners. And it's not just the, the folks that are doing safety on the front end. It's not just the people who are EHNS specialists. And that's what we're seeing more and more is this idea that people are coming into the program with varied backgrounds. Like I said, hospital administrators. We've got people from energy providers who work in operations, not just in safety. So we're starting to see more of that involvement. And maybe what that means is that some of your work is permeating the field and that people are beginning to realize that leaders are learners and you have to engage in learning and advancing yourself in order to move move forward in the industry. How have you guys seen this program change since you've been involved? Well, I I stepped into it to begin with and I didn't know what I was stepping into. (laughs) And I think you might have chosen stepped into it on purpose. (laughs) It is really an interesting. I stepped into it. Yeah. And so to begin with, the the courses hadn't been updated from the beginning of the program from 15 15 years of of doing it the same way. Um, And the same way didn't fit. My model, I took over, the first course that I took over was crisis leadership, and I didn't feel like the methodology fit crisis leadership. The, the, the organization gave me the ability to start to change that immediately and affect immediate changes. So we introduced more HOP concepts. We started thinking about the new ANZ-Z10, which has HOP concepts, and we started to explore what leadership was all about in a more very modern context. So we updated that course, and one course at a time, we've added to this. We've now changed 619 from just a polishing course to an actual course. 619 is our capstone prep. And now that's an actual course where we discuss social psychology and the importance of social psychology in the workplace from for any level of the organization. And, and then we've also modified or created new courses 
But what I'm really excited about is my new class that I was able to develop from scratch and get through this engineering program, which is called Communication and Safety Systems. Ooh, nice. Something that is not addressed in almost anywhere else. I'm going to go into communication and language and safety, uh, and it starts in the fall. I'll start with what I call the sleight of language, like a magician does a sleight of hand. Well, we often use a sleight of language um, to make words mean something that they either we don't intend for them to mean or we actually manipulate language so that it fulfills our need for uh, certainty, for control, and and so we're expanding on that. We're, lo- we're looking at things like nominalizations. The word safety itself is a nominalization. It's it's a verb that's been made into a noun, and in doing so, we've taken away its power and its action. There's nothing you can do with safety. It's stuck. So, you know, we talk about things like metaphors and labels and binary opposition. And then I get into semiotics, which is the signs and symbols of language. Uh, you know, it might be a poster on a wall. It might be uh, a symbol they use somewhere else. But we start to look at, you know, how do we construct these things that we believe everybody else thinks about the same way, but they don't. We, we need to actually be very clear about that and, and look at things like, you know, what is divergent thinking instead of, uh, you know, thinking in a very linear manner that doesn't suit a lot of complex system safety needs. And then I go into, you know, how do we ask powerful questions? Because that's super important. Maybe you're an accident investigator and you need to interview people after an incident. You could use it there. You could use it every day in your workplace. And then a little bit about dialogue, because that is super critical and and something that almost no one is taught. And I I go into a little bit about what Bill Isaacs brings into the room. We have to tip our head to Uncle Bill. (laughs) Building a container where people feel safe enough to speak. And, and share and learn from one another. Um, and then I talk about reporting. You know, I have so many students that start out actually in crisis leadership and they say, we have a robust reporting culture. And you know, they don't. Doesn't robust <laughs> usually translate to mandated? Um, forced. Forced. <laughs> coercive. Yeah, coercive. A coercive report culture does not give you any information. And if you don't have information, you're not going to learn anything. And then, you know, what's so important to me is to help people understand that we use agentive language all the time. Uh, we are kind of hardwired as humans to use agentive language, especially in... Uh, a place like the United States where we're an independent culture instead of an interdependent culture like China or even some of the Latin countries, we are extremely agentive with our language and what we expect from things like accident investigations. We want an agent. We want someone to blame. And we want that sense of closure at the end. But if we can start to understand our biases around this, we open up everything. We start 
getting sensitive to language around us, you know, not only in the work culture, but in our daily culture, the media is a perfect example of that. And then I'll end with uh, the language that surrounds accident investigation. And we'll actually take apart some accident investigations and do a language review on them to see, you know, where is the language not suiting the purpose of learning from the accident and providing safety in the future. What's been the most interesting change you've seen students have? Moving from knowing to inquiry, I'd say, is the answer to that. And, and we've had, very, with very few exceptions, every student who's gone through the program has made that transformation. And now they really do ask better questions, and they're, they're more apt to seek out different sources of information. And those two things combined make them learners in the industry. And the only way to really progress is through that learning. We've got to be committed to that at, at every level. I'd also like to point out that it's a growing program. After 15 years of, of really not changing very much, um, the recent growth in the program over the last four years has been extreme. And we're now moving toward developing, and I don't know what the timeline is for this, so don't ask. Yeah, don't, you're not helping. <laughs> but we're moving toward an HF track, a human factors track in the program. We've had a lot of interest in that area, and the new classes that we've created have demonstrated that the students are very interested. Do you? That HF track, you can probably get that moon. It's one of the few places that you can Yeah, I don't know another yeah. I mean, I'm Prince, kind of Princeton in, okay. Yeah, they might have a good one, too. I don't, I'm not really super familiar with the linearity of their program, but I, I did do the Embry-Riddle program, and I found that way too linear. Even though they say human factors, what they've done is they've taken a mechanical approach to human right. factors, which really doesn't help as much because it's a social issue, not a mathematics right. issue. Right. So, But that HF track is well on its way. The two courses that we've created in the modification to 617 were part of that. We're now looking at changing the, the entry-level course and perhaps having two different entry-level courses that are taught by two different instructors. Um, and, and so we're looking at that as a possibility. But what I invite you to do is come taste the program. Yeah, exactly. How, how can we do that? So you can take a course if you just want to take a course. Come in and as a non-degree candidate, do the small application process that's required. Come on in and take a course with us. Taste it. And I think you'll really enjoy it. So that's the pod. I, I mean, I know it was difficult to listen because it was hard to hear. I, I promise I'll do a better one. It's kind of no excuse for doing a bad one. But I didn't want to lose the content, and uh, I thought it was worthwhile for you guys to hear it. Um, but really, I can do it better because um, we're all here, so it's not like there's not equipment available. Um, we just, I don't know what happened. I lost my mind. That must be the case. Mind lost. But I hope this helps. If you're on the cusp and thinking about it, this is probably a pretty good podcast for you to listen to. If you're interested, it's a super good podcast for you to listen to. And it's fun. And it's always kind of fun to get together and talk. So that makes a huge difference as well. So that's the pod for today. Learn something new every single day. Have as much fun as you possibly can. Squeeze it in. Be kind to each other. Check in on each other. Monday's a good day to do that. And for goodness sakes, be safe. Be safe.